The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. Last Sunday, looking at Genesis chapter 13, we found that because of God's blessing on them both, that Abraham and Lot, as they came back and encamped between Bethel and Ai, they could no longer have space to fit in both of their households. And so Abraham invited Lot to make a choice. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And instead Lot chose, as we looked at last week, to go slightly to the east and then down to the south. He chose and slowly moved south through the beautiful Jordan Valley before setting up camp just outside Sodom. As we continue this morning, we turn to Genesis chapter 16. I'm going to break from our usual tradition. Our usual tradition is we read every word of the scriptures. Well, I'm going to take a break from that this morning because, as you'll quickly understand, this passage has a whole bunch of names, some of them people and some of them places. At least a third of them I probably can't pronounce. And at least two-thirds of them, none of us are going to remember. And so my hope is that this picture may help. Now, you're not going to be able to see that, but for those of you who have a sense, so the left-hand side, you've got the Mediterranean Sea, and then to the top, you have the Sea of Galilee, the the River Jordan flowing down to the Dead Sea at the bottom. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, hopefully this will make up for the words that I can't pronounce. So basically, as the chapter unfolds, these four kings from those four places, you can see the region circled, go to war against those five kings in those five places. And then we're told in verse 3 that all of the latter kings, that is those down south, joined forces in the valley of Siddim, that is in the Dead Sea Valley. Again, right at the bottom of the screen. For 12 years they had been subject to Kitaloma. But in the 13th year they rebelled And in the 14th year, he and the kings allied with him went out to reclaim their authority. And so they attacked the Raphites. You follow the orange circles moving down the screen. The Raphites, and then the Zuzites and Ham, and then the uh, Emites, and then down through the hill country of Seir, Then they turned back and they went to the area that is also known as Kadesh, right down in that bottom corner. And then they headed back north through the territory of the Amalekites, as well as those of the Amorites who were living around about here. See, if I'd read all those names of those places, you still wouldn't have a clue where anybody was. But you can now see that the, the kings of the north have moved down through east of the Jordan, and come around the bottom and circled around. Then we're told that these kings 
marched out and drew up their battle lines there in the valley of Siddim against these kings. Now the valley of Siddim was full of tar pits and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of their men fell into the, into the tar pits and the rest fled to the hills. The four kings from the north seized all of the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food, and then they went away. They also carried off Abraham's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. A man who had escaped came and reported this to Abraham the Hebrew. Now Abraham was living in Hebron. Near the great tree of memory, the Amorite brother of Eshcol and Anah, all of whom were allied with Abram. Then Abram heard that, when Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household, and they went in pursuit as far as Dan, right up the top. During the night, Abraham divided the men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Heba, which is right at the top there, north of Damascus. He recovered all of the goods and brought his relatives, Lot, and his possessions together with the woman and the other people. Clearly, Clearly the Jordan Valley was a great place. It not only appealed to Lot, it obviously appealed to Kidaloma, who had conquered it and ruled it from a distance of about 200 kilometres for the past 12 years. Clearly when Lot looked at the land, the sin in Sodom was not the only thing that he overlooked. He made his home in a place that was under siege. And whereas Lot chose for himself the whole land of the plain, or the whole plain of Jordan, and he lived among the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tents near Sodom, now we find that Lot has gone from living near Sodom to he is living in Sodom. Such is the nature of sin as we encounter it. It presents attractively. You know, if sin looked horrible, it would not be tempting. Sin presents a pretty face. It presents an attractive proposition. But it draws you closer and closer and it holds you tighter and tighter until it takes you captive. And all that you need is an Abraham. In fact, Lot needed Abraham much sooner. But often we won't admit that we need an Abraham 
until it's almost too late. They say you have to reach rock bottom sometimes. In spite of Lot's apparent disregard from Abraham, Abraham did not hesitate to come to Lot's aid. In fact, Abraham's original thing, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right, you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Abraham actually went well south of what he intended. Not close enough to get in trouble with Lot, but close enough to be on hand and available when Lot needed him. In Galatians 6, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. When we see people, often friends and family, heading down a pathway that you know is going to cause them pain and anguish, you can try to warn them, but you often can't stop them. And sometimes you just have to watch from a distance. Further on, Paul says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. We live in a world where we continually watch people we don't know making those same sort of choices, heading into paths of behaviour and patterns of behaviour that are going to be so destructive for them and for our communities. And you kind of feel you just can't do anything. But you can avoid walking away from them. Don't get so close that you become caught up into it. You know, it's one thing to be friendly, it's another one to be sitting around the same table day and night. To stay enough distance to be safe, but to be there when people cry for help. Sometimes doing good means waiting for the right moment. And that can be really, really hard. But for now, as we consider the series event, one wonders at the size and strength of these fighting forces. Ketaloma has enough power to keep... See, they weren't submitted to... The four kings, these five uh, kings in the south, were submitted to Ketaloma for 12 years. How much power his troops held? So we talk about the addiction thing, we forget the power that it has. And so the Ketaloma kept them under submission for 12 years. Clearly he wields enormous power. But in the face of a rebellion, he calls on three of his allies and he doesn't just go back and reclaim the land. He conquers seven other regions on the way. 
like way to tire your troops out. Seven other battles on the way. One also wonders at the inability of the five kings from the south to defend their own territory. It took them 12 years to decide to mount a resistance and within a year it was gone. <coughs> We're told that the valley of Sidon was full of tar pits and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of their men fell into them and the rest fled to the hills. For those of you who follow sports, even those of us who don't follow sports know that there's what they call a home field advantage. Home field advantage. When a country comes under attack, so beginning of last year when Russia attacked Ukraine, who would have imagined that over 12 months later Ukraine is still standing? Why? Because they're defending they are defending that which is their own. And so there is an additional fight goes in when you're defending something which is your own. You also have the advantage of local knowledge. And yet it seems that these five kings in the south have drawn up their lines of defence And moments later, they're on the run, falling into the tar pits. It's like, this is local territory. They know where the tar pits are. These are the sort of things that a strategist would surely use to their own advantage and push the enemy through the tar pits. But you know, those who lived in this part of the valley lived there probably for the same reason that Lot settled there. It looked a good and pleasant place. It looked an easy place to live, not like the, the hills and the valleys that Abraham ended up living amongst. And we know that those who live with pleasure and plenty those who live a life of ease, those who choose the easy place in pursuit of pleasure, are often less able, less mentally and physically prepared for the battles that come. I used to have a picture on my wall of a monarch butterfly breaking out of its chrysalis. And it said, thank you Lord for the struggles, for I know the struggles will make me strong enough to fly. Because if you get a monarch butterfly breaking out of its chrysalis and if you help it out, it will die. The struggle of breaking free from the chrysalis builds the strength in its wings that it will need when it comes to fly. Those who are into exercise and fitness talk of resistance training. You do not make muscles stronger by continually resting them. We hear talk today about the cotton wool or the bubble wrap kids. We protect them to the degree that they never have to fall and hurt themselves. They never have to face pain. And so when they get to adulthood and they face real issues and real pain, they do not have the resilience. You hear Andy often talks about the resilience stuff they're trying to build into the kids at school. 
I remember hearing, reading years ago, that uh, the modern era All Blacks who train in the gym have a lot more injuries than the old All Blacks from when I was a kid who trained by running up the hills, building fences up on the farms. There was a different level of strength that they built in a real world environment. You also hear sometimes what's referred to as the hygiene hypothesis. The fact that we can go so far sometimes to protect our kids from exposure to various antigens and bacteria that we actually can increase the risk of them building uh, or of their immune system failing to build a resistance so they become more at risk in their immune systems. The other example that's well used is if you want to cook a frog doesn't sound very friendly, does it? Maybe it comes out of France, but if you put a frog into, cold, into hot water, it will jump out of the pan. It'll jump out of the hot water. But if you put it into cold water and warm the water slowly, by the time it realises that the water is too hot, it no longer has the strength to jump out. There are so many examples of how we so easily get caught into a place that we don't have the strength to fight the fight when we need to. And so here we have these five kings who can't even hold their lines of battle in their own territory in the face of four kings and their armies who have already won seven fights on the way of their 200-kilometre march. And they couldn't hold their territory. And so Abraham rounds up 318 men from his household and he chases them all the way north. And then he divides and he attacks them and he beats them and recaptures Lot and the possessions and brings them home. This is these powerful five kings and yet Abraham with 318 men were able to overcome. Of course it wasn't just Abraham and his men, it was next Sunday uh, Andy will continue the story and we come to Melchizedek and Melchizedek says to Abraham and praise be to the God most high who delivered your enemies into your hands. And I thought of this when Bill was talking. God has done this because Abraham got up and did what Abraham had to do. Yes, God is the one who delivers. God is the one who allows 318 to overcome these five great armies. But Abraham had to get up and go. Sadly, we will see that as soon as Lot arrives back in town, he is back in town and he moves back to Sodom. How easily we return to the place that kept us prisoner. I don't know about you, but to be perfectly honest, there are plenty of places in my life where I have been entrapped, not just by sin, but sometimes simply by wrong thinking. Sometimes by the pursuit of an easier life. There are many victories behind me, but there are also many 
things that I still believe that God desires for me, areas in which God desires for me to walk in greater strength and freedom. In Hebrews 12, we are encouraged, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. It's not just the sin. It is those patterns of thinking, and this is what Bill was addressing, these patterns of thinking that say we've just got to live with this. And we do live with the reality of that we have questions that aren't answered, but sometimes we have the miracles and we sit, why not more? And we wrestle with that. But let us run with perseverance, the race marked out before us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, Ha! You say I have the right to do anything? But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Who is our master? So any thought, any attitude that stops us from allowing him to be master is actually sinful. And God wants us to break free from that. The problem is, however, when we've lived in Sodom so long, we often don't recognise the problems around us. We've lived with the attitudes for so long that we're kind of uncomfortable when Bill says, oh, it's this way. And I know when I've had the conversation with Bill, it's like, and it's like, you're right. It, it is uncomfortable because we've lived so long accepting that this is the way church happens. This is the way the Christian life is. But it's not the way we read it in Scripture. But when we've lived with it so long, sometimes not only do we find it hard to identify that there is actually a problem, but we also lack the strength ourselves to break free. And God wants to help you break free. God has given us the power and the authority to break free. And he has brought Abrams around us to help us break free. When I came to the chapel, the mission statement of the chapel was to inspire people to become committed followers of Christ. And so we had a little bit of a discussion over that first year and we made some changes. I took out the name Christ and I put in Jesus. Same person, except Christ is well understood to those of us who go to church. But I wanted a mission statement that a that, that was understood by someone who'd never been near church. And I don't want to suggest that you can be any other kind of follower other than a follower. So I got rid of the word committed. You don't have to be a committed follower. There are no other kinds. An uncommitted follower is not a follower. But the most important change was I'm not here to inspire you to follow Jesus. I'm not here to inspire anyone to follow Jesus. We are here to inspire one another to follow Jesus. As I was writing, I was thinking about the people who inspire me to keep pressing in 
to take hold of all that God has for us and for me. And I think of Rolly and Bev who passed on last year. Their example continues to inspire me. And so many of the others who are part of the older generation here at the chapel continue to inspire me. There are others around here who speak words of encouragement and challenge. They inspire me. I tell you, probably inspires me the most are those who are taking those first early steps in faith. Just struggling to figure out what this Christian stuff is all about. You know, because the rest of you would probably make it okay if I walked away tomorrow. I used to get in trouble because I used to say, I didn't come here to be the pastor. People, oh, that, that upsets people. It's like, that's okay. I came here because there were three parts to the role. One was to keep this thing ticking over. But the other two, one was to see people who are involved and connected through our community trust have opportunity to begin that journey of faith. And the third part was to see people who never darken the doors of this building have opportunity to begin the journey to faith. And so when I see people starting to take those first difficult steps to faith, that inspires me to keep going. Because I know for a start that God is at work. Because God is at work drawing people. And that inspires me to know he's on my side. And it inspires me because often, in particular when we had our guys on a Tuesday night in our Discovery Bible study, and likes of Lance and Cameron seeing in the scriptures would bring something out of scriptures that, man, I hadn't seen that there before. They didn't have theological training, they just looked into the word and they heard God speak and it's, it inspired me. It challenged me. We are here. As Mike started the service to say, to encourage one another and to inspire one another to follow Jesus. And so during the week, as I was thinking about this message, I asked Mike if we could finish our service this morning with this song. So Mike, if the team would like to come. I speak Jesus. It is such a powerful song, such a powerful blessing. If you need someone to pray for you, just say to you, can you just put your hand on my shoulder while we sing this? If you're with a friend, maybe put your hand on their shoulder and pray this blessing over them. God brings the deliverance. God has achieved the deliverance. He breaks every power that would control and have control in our lives. But we need those people around us who will stand with us as we find freedom. And then we also need them to stand with us as we learn to become strong. Because as we will see, Lot's mistake was to go back to Sodom. To go back to the place that he knew in spite of the fact that he knew how dangerous it was. I've got enough friends who have wrestled with addictions to know that. I'm going to tear up again. 
one of the people who inspires me is sitting right there, my brother Warren. I know what Warren's been through. He came to faith before I met him. One day I'll get him to share his testament. I'm going to share a little bit of it now. I'm told that his first Sunday in church, he was in an old grey coat and he was drunk. And God touched him. And there's been some ups and downs since then, brother. But God has kept surrounding him. And so it does my heart so much good to see him once again on the worship team. Don't give up. There are people around you like Abraham who will stand with you, who will help rescue you, who will help you grow strong. But you also have to make the choices for yourself not to go back to those places that allow you to become enslaved. Let's stand together and pray blessing over one another. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Te Atatū. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.